Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, John Helmkamp, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada. What is up? Welcome back to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Matthew Betts, Matt Okada, and unfortunately, no John Helmkamp on the show tonight. He is busy dadding it up, uh, being a good dad, a good father. Unfortunately, unable to join us tonight, but Okada and myself are holding it down. We are here. Um, And I'll just warn you ahead of time, listeners, you know, it's been a while since Okada and I have done a show alone Mm. together without uh, a third person (laughs) keeping us on track. So this could get off the rails very quickly, and I'm very excited about it. Uh, Okada, how are you doing on this fine evening? Um, it is a, uh, at the time of this recording, a lovely Friday night because we oh. release Saturday morning. Happy weekend. Is there a better man. time in any week than Friday night? No. No, there so is not. that's good. Um, it is saddened by the lack of John here, but you know, it's like a little, little nostalgia train we get to ride for one night back in the, uh, the long stretch that was just the two of us. So... We'll yes, see how sir. it goes. It'll probably be terrible because we've gotten used to John and now we don't know what to do. Our hands will be like... <laughs> Full Anchorman uh, yep. gif. Or, no, I'm sorry, not Anchorman. Um, no, Anchorman, right? I'm not sure what to do with my hands. Yes. No, 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 no. no, no, no. no. Nights. Nights. Yes, yes. <laughs> I knew it was Will. Exactly. That's what I was Will thinking Farrell. of. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm not sure what to do with my hands. Just, just hold them down by your side. <laughs> oh, man. We have a, a jam-packed show tonight talking about old faces in new places. Now, if you missed last episode, first off, shame on you. Uh, Mm. Go back, check that out. We talked quarterbacks and running backs. And at the time of the recording, we had planned to cover every position. We we tried to talk about wide receiver and tight end. So we did cover Rob Gronkowski in the quarterbacks and running backs episode. True. We will talk about the other tight ends and wide receivers on tonight's show because, as per usual, we just have so much to say that we ran out of time. But we are back. We are here for part two of that show of that podcast series. So check out part one if you're looking for some quarterback takes. We talked about the Chicago Bears quarterbacks. We talked about Tom Brady, Teddy B, etc. And for the running backs, big time discussion with David Johnson, Todd Gurley, etc. So lots to to unpack there. Check that out. Uh, It is the last episode in your feed. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever it is, you might want to drop that rating and review and send us a screenshot to at RedshirtsFFPod because... The Devontae Adams signed jersey will not last long, and that is one way to enter. You can also enter by giving us a retweet and a follow on Twitter. The uh, tweet for those instructions is on the the show account, at RedshirtsFFPod. Or come check out Patreon, patreon.com slash RedshirtsPod. Fellas, I mean, guys, like if you're listening and you're not in Patreon, you are just missing out, man. There's so much more valuable Truly. information that we have to offer that we just can't put into a one-hour show. So check it out there. Uh, Okada, I started working on my you know, my season-long player props article for our DFS and our betting tier on there. And I got to say, man, I'm super excited about a couple of these bets. So listeners, Ooh. if you're into some sports wagering, come check that out at patreon.com slash RetroidsPod. All right, Okada, we are going to skip the news, man. It is May. There's still nothing going on as far as news. We're going to get right into it. So let's start with the wide receiver position. The biggest name on our list tonight is by far DeAndre Hopkins, now in Arizona. I feel like every year the the conversation with DeAndre Hopkins is he's one of the best wide receivers in the game. He has Deshaun Watson. He's a top five option, no question. But this is the first year that I think we're going to have a little bit of question marks here. 
with Deshaun or uh, with uh, DeAndre Hopkins, excuse me. What are your thoughts with him in Arizona? DeAndre Hopkins is honestly one of the hardest people to identify for myself what his fantasy outlook is going to be and to start thinking about a projection because there's two major changes that happen when he goes from Houston to Arizona. One, he is not going to be the target hog percentage-wise that he was in Houston. I don't see that as a possibility. Almost every year he was in Houston, there was a couple deep threat guys behind him and most of them got hurt for most of the season and they never had a great pass catching running back. And so it was 150 targets plus to DeAndre Hopkins every year, led the NFL in target share all the time. I don't see that happening in Arizona. You got Larry Fitzgerald, who's you know one of the greatest of all time, and still playing, still plugging away. Somehow. You got, <laughs> yeah, you've got Christian Kirk, who's a very nicely established young talent. You got a bunch of other guys they drafted recently. Uh, they don't seem to have given you up, up yet on Hakeem Butler and Andy Isabella. You have Kenyon Drake, who is a very, very talented pass-catching running back out of the backfield. Um, so I don't see a world where he gets the same target share he got in Houston. Now, uh, the other thing, the other flip side of this coin, is that I do think the Cardinals will throw the ball, the ball more. Houston typically ranked like the bottom 10-ish, 10 to 15 range of the league, below average in pass attempts per game over the past few years. The Cardinals, I expect to be top 10, probably. Um, they weren't quite that high last year because their plays per game weren't that high, and that's because their offense wasn't that good overall. First year, the team was struggling still. I think they get better in that respect. That means I think they pass the ball more. And I just did a quick calculation because I knew we were going to talk about this. I think they throw the ball six times more per game than Houston has in Hopkins' career. And Hopkins probably gets one or two of those. But then he also loses one or two per game by losing the target share. So all in all, I think it probably is pretty much a wash in terms of what he's going to see. Maybe even a little bit of a dip in targets. And it's not like we're seeing a huge jump or drop in quarterback play. Deshaun Watson and Kyler Murray both have great arms. I think it's going to be mostly lateral, maybe a step back, a slight step back to where I don't have him ranked as the one or two. Maybe I have him as the three or four, but it's not that much of a drop. Yeah, it's it's so tough because every year it's just um, automatic. Like you don't have to think about it. It's DeAndre Hopkins in your top three. Okay, let's move on to number four and five in your rankings. But this year, man, I have a little bit of pause and it's nothing against Nuke. He's the man. He is a top tier talent wide receiver. However, it's a weird off season and hopefully there's training camp. Kyler definitely coming into his own, an absolute cannon of an arm, but he just is a quarterback who tends to spread the ball out a little bit more. And so I think the target share comes down quite a bit. Um, I ran through my initial projections and, and last year, Dunder Hopkins came in at 29% target share. Ooh. I have him this year coming in at about 23 and still very good. Still like to see that 22, 23, 24 mark for a wide receiver to feel confident in their their volume. But I don't think we're going to see him locked into 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 15 targets from Deshaun Watson like we saw. So I think just a little bit more variability this year in DeAndre Hopkins. Still going to rank him inside my top 7 or 8 probably when, when the season comes. But a small downgrade here. Now let's talk about it on the other side. 
We're going to talk Ooh. about this on the Texan side because the next wide receiver to talk about is Brandon Cooks. Oh, he lands. Look at that transition. Such he transition. lands in Houston now with DeAndre Hopkins gone. What are your thoughts on what this does for the Texans offense as a whole? Because I know we talked about it with David Johnson on the last show with John, and he was like, man, I have serious concerns about the offense in general, limiting the scoring opportunities because DeAndre Hopkins just helped them move the ball down the field so much that might limit David Johnson's ability to find the end zone more. So what do you think it does for the Texans as a whole now that we have Brandon Cooks in DeAndre Hopkins out? So the, the big question mark is what Brandon Cooks we get. Because last year we saw Brandon Cooks. He only missed, actually missed two games. But still he put up only 583 receiving yards on the entire season. That is disgustingly low for a guy who put up 1138, 1173, 1082, and 10, uh, 1204 in the four years before that. He's been as consistent as we've seen over the last five years. And then last year, he had a huge drop off. I think he was, it was a dealing with injury sort of thing. He's had a lot of concussions in his career. I'm sure you'll hit on this. Yep. But the question is if we see back to normal Brandon Cooks in Houston, do we see a 12, 1100, 1200 yard receiver who gets six, seven, eight touchdowns? And if we do, does that make up for DeAndre Hopkins' loss? No, because DeAndre Hopkins is 1,400 yards and 10 touchdowns. There's almost nobody with better production in the league. That's going to be a little bit of a drop-off, and there's not a wealth of talent besides Cooks that I think is going to step up and help uh, compensate for that. I do think that David Johnson will do a lot of that, which is why <laughs> go back and listen to the episode 139, and you'll hear me rant about that plenty. Oh, yeah. But I do think the entire Houston offense takes a little bit of a hit from this. If it's a healthy Brandon Cooks, though, it's a much smaller hit than I think the initial reaction is. However, it has to be a healthy Brandon Cooks or they're in big trouble. And that's not a great prospect. Yes. Brandon Cooks, right up there with Todd Gurley for me, just has like one of the widest range of outcomes that exists in fantasy this year. You talked about the consistency, and every year you could just chalk him up in the projections for a 1,000 yards. Don't even think about it. But over his last 16 games, he's cleared 75 yards once, one time. It has been bad. So does that does does that have to do with injury? I'm not sure. I mean, there's advanced analytics out there showing that Brandon Cooks just didn't play well last year when he was on the field. Now, from an injury perspective... I do have pause with Brandon Cooks. I mean, we talked about it when we did that crossover pod. You remember Okada with the, the guys from Dynasty Happy Hour? Mm-hmm. And we talked about Brandon Cooks and just, you know, the, the concussions are hard to predict. But we know through research that every time a player has a concussion, the recovery to get back on the field is longer. So he's got five documented in the NFL. I mean, if he has another one, potentially he's done for eight, nine, ten weeks the season. We just don't know. So it's a risky play. It's an upside play as a Sean Watson's number one. But I think speaking to Brandon Cooks, it might be baked into his ADP. I don't know what it is in redraft leagues, but I know in Dynasty specifically, no one wants Brandon Cooks at this point, just given what we saw over the last year. So I think he's going to be a player that personally, if I invest in him, it will be because of value. But certainly I'm not trying to go out there and target him in my drafts or anything like that. Now, I will say for Deshaun Watson, this also plays right into the range of outcomes. I mean, you have Will Fuller, you have Brandon Cooks, two guys that could be massive boom players on any given week, but could also put up three for, you know, like 24 yards and 
Deshaun Watson stuck with Kiki QT, Kenny Stills. Randall uh, Cobb. Yeah, Randall Cobb. Yeah, get out of here with that. I, I don't know, man. So <laughs> Hey, man, he had like 800-something yards last year. He did, 823. I was actually looking it up when I was researching for Michael Gallup, who I am oh. rising on quite a bit, as we were texting mm. about last night. Um, yeah, man. So I, I don't know. For Deshaun, like, I still love the guy. I'm really excited about him because of his rushing ability. But I just have massive concerns with the coaching. I mean, they just they call suboptimal game plans where they're feeding the ball in Carlos Hyde's belly 245 times last year on first and 10, second and eight. Like after he's already carried the ball, he's tired. They're giving him the ball again. Are they going to do that with David Johnson? Can he hold up? I just have question marks everywhere with this Texans offense. So for me, every player on, on this team is going to be based on value when it comes to drafts. Yeah, I think what it really might boil down to here is what you believe about Deshaun Watson, because we're going to we're about to find out if he is a quarterback who's been largely made by DeAndre Hopkins or if he's truly one of the best quarterbacks in the league and is going to elevate the talent of the guys he has. Because, listen, he has an okay receiving core. Like we're not talking about the Jets or the Patriots from last year. He's got some talent. Some of it's a little... Uh, unreliable in terms of are they going to be healthy and consistent all year long but he's got talent there it's just not DeAndre Hopkins level talent I think I believe that Deshaun Watson is an extremely high-end elite quarterback certainly as a thrower and with the ball in his hands moving not so great at not taking sacks but that doesn't really matter for fantasy uh I think that there's a good chance that he takes these pieces, elevates them, and keeps this offense at an average level at least. Like maybe they're not top 10. Maybe losing DeAndre Hopkins makes them less of a powerhouse offense. But I think they can still be good enough with him at the helm to support decent fantasy numbers. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And I think we've seen enough from Deshaun Watson that I feel if I was going to make that call, if I'm on one side of the fence or the other, I think he's an elite quarterback just in his ability to win uh, we saw it in college. We've seen it early in the pros. Now, does they have having DeAndre Hopkins help? Yeah, of course. Right. But like you said, this year we're going to find out pretty quick. And I think he can do it. He, he's that good of a, of a player, in my opinion. So interested to see what happens there with the Texans. They're a very interesting team for fantasy in 2020. Next wide receiver on the list, Stefan Diggs. He basically complained his way out of Minnesota. True. Now finds himself in Buffalo to play with Josh Allen. Okada, I'm going to be very candid with this one, man. I am nervous about Stephon Diggs in Buffalo. Are you more optimistic than me? Because at this point, I don't want anything to do with Stephon Diggs. Yeah, um, it's tough. I don't know if I would say I have zero interest. Because regardless of the fact that he went to a less desirable situation with a less good a throwing quarterback... He is still one of the best route runners in the league and an extremely talented receiver. Now, I will say this. If this had been a free agent signing, I would feel great. Because I would feel like uh, Stephon Diggs got the pick to go to Buffalo, which means that they told him that he could be the one that he has always wanted to be in Minnesota. Problem is, it was not a free agency signing. It was a trade. He just ended up here because the Bills paid the right price. Which is a good price, to be fair. But he didn't get to choose to go here. So, now, on the flip side of that, it's not like they have a, a an Adam Thielen across the way. They have John Brown, who's very good, does what he does well, but he is not Adam Thielen by any means. So, 
in that respect, I do think Stefan Diggs probably takes a little bit of a step forward towards the alpha role that he's kind of played a 1B or 1A switching depending on what part of the season it was in with Adam Thielen for the last few years. But the quality of his targets are going to go down. So this is kind of like, this is similar to the Hopkins situation and then there's multiple factors that are playing against each other and we have to balance out which one's going to win out. I think I'm going to draft Stephon Diggs pretty close to where I would have drafted him if he was still in Minnesota, to be honest. Maybe a little bit behind, just because Adam Thielen's another year older and we saw a downturn from him last year. But Josh Allen is a developing quarterback. I think he can become a better passer a little bit each year. Um, he got a little bit better a, last year than, just than he a was the year before. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't need that much. And Stephon Diggs is definitely the best receiver he will have had. Um, this team is not going to throw very much, but Stephon Diggs is going to get a lot of the targets. He's going to be a sixth, seventh round guy for me, probably somewhere in that range. All right. Well, with that being said, I was hoping you would kind of bring up his draft cost. Uh, I looked on fantasy football calculator. It looks like these are way off because he's going behind. Uh, I'm sorry. He's going above guys like DJ Moore, AJ Brown. I don't know that we'll actually see that Odell Beckham. That doesn't sound too legit for me. So what I'm looking at is uh, FFPC, best ball ADP, probably more accurate. People have money okay. on the line like betting and, uh, and playing fantasy that way. He is going 62nd overall. That would come out to, in a 12-team in league, about the fifth round. So if you're saying he's a sixth, seventh round guy, are you out at that ADP? Uh, I... Ooh, this is close. I just checked on uh, Fantasy Pros as well, and he's 56 overall, going behind DJ Chark and Cortland Sutton, going ahead of T.Y. Hilton and Robert Woods. There are guys ahead of him that I want behind him and guys behind him that I want ahead of him. So I feel like this is not yep. too far from the range that I kind of feel okay. Uh, like if I Listen, I'm probably not going to draft him if Robert Woods or Jarvis Landry are still on the board, which is the case here. But if people yep. are smart and they take him, and it's guys like A.J. Green, Devontae Parker, Tyler Boyd, Terry McLaurin. Ah, I like some of those guys a lot, too, actually. Those are the guys yeah. after him. <laughs> oh, this is tough. I he might have spot, to slip, Yeah, he might have to slip to the sixth or seventh for me to draft him, depending on how things look. And I'd, I'd hope that we get to see, and this is going to be the answer for a lot of guys' bets as we get move on through the season or the off season. I hope we get to see video of these guys working with their teammates working with their quarterbacks we may not get to see actual OTAs but at least you know are Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs out there working together is it looking good are they building rapport that's going to matter to me a lot so maybe that will uh, you know affect whether he rises or falls for me too yeah that's a great point as well you know just kind of knowing what we know now knowing the rapport he did have with Kirk Cousins and just knowing how streamlined that target share was between Thielen and Diggs and other guys like it was just so you know concentrated with them going to Buffalo where it's going to be some John Brown it's going to be some Stefan Diggs it's going to be some Cole Beasley um, Dawson Knox is an up-and-coming young tight end that I like a lot I still think he's going to lead the team in targets but the quality of targets man uh, yeah it, it's just not what it was with Kirk Cousins so yeah I think I'm out on Stefan Diggs at his ADP as of now you know, fifth round, but if he falls a round or two, I could be talked into him. And I've just, I love the talent with Diggs, but the consistency bothers me. It's kind of like an Amari Cooper thing where 
it's there some weeks or it's there for like a month and then all of a sudden he disappears for two or three weeks. So it's tough to to trust that in fantasy, in my opinion. Oh, okay, here's an interesting one then. Digs or Cooks? Oh. No, this is not an ADP. You just have to pick one for your team. Oh, God. I would probably take... I'll I'll take the better passer. I will take Deshaun Watson wide receiver. I think I might take Diggs. I take I might Ooh. take the better receiver. So I'm so not gonna make a this... bet. But no, no, okay. no. All right, all right. I, I was gonna add it to, to the list. <laughs> just curious because we just talked about both of them. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I'm still gonna add it to the list, however. Oh, Brandon Cooks versus Stephon Diggs. Uh, listeners, we've got a, a bets bets sheet going here between John Okada and myself. Uh, very interested to see how that plays at the end of the year. We only have four on the year so far, Okada. We got to get more on there. Oh, we'll get more. All right. Next wide receiver here, Robbie Anderson leaves the Jets. He lands in Carolina, pairs up with his former college coach down there in Matt Rule. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm not interested in Robbie this year in fantasy. I think this helps the offense, just being able to provide that deep threat, that speed receiver. But in Carolina, like we talked about with Teddy Bridgewater on the last show, I'm intrigued by the offense. I'm intrigued by the up-tempo play of that offensive system. But Teddy Bridgewater's talents, I don't think, really match with what Anderson does. So I'm kind of out on Anderson this year. I would much rather have DJ Moore, obviously. I would much rather have uh, Curtis Samuel, personally. So at best-case scenario, for me, he's probably the fourth wide receiver in the pecking order when you include uh, Christian McCaffrey. So I don't know if the volume is going to be there. I'm I'm out personally on Robbie Anderson. Yeah, it, listen, if you're playing best ball, which you guys should play best ball, by the way. If you haven't tried out best ball, go find a place to play it. Bets, we have some places to play it, I think. Yeah, play it on uh, FFPC. Yeah. RedshirtsFantasyFootball.com slash FFPC is the link for that. And I've been playing on there a ton, man. It's so fun because you, have, you don't have to put a lot of money into it, right? Like you can play like for a few bucks and... It's like mock drafting, but actually getting to win something at the end. So check those guys out. It's a, a super fun platform. Yeah, and it's a super one way fun way to pass the offseason, especially this offseason. Uh, oh, yes. So go try it. If you're playing best ball, I'd, I'd like to get me some Robbie Anderson late in my best ball draft. Because the way that this offense is going to work, in my opinion, is that they're going to dink and dunk, run with CMC, short crossing routes with DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel over and over again. And the safeties are going to be like, Gosh darn it, I am done sitting back here. And they're all going to start creeping up. And then all of a sudden, they're going to run play action. And Robbie Anderson's going to be gone. He's going to have a 40-yard touchdown. And that's going to happen like three or four times this season. The problem is, in redraft, you're never going to be able to predict when that is. Every time you start him, he's going to do nothing. And then he's going to do that on your bench. So I have zero interest in redraft. Completely agree with you. I don't think there's going to be enough yards to go around in that system for him to be valuable over the full course of the season and I don't think he's going to be a six seven eight touchdown guy necessarily and you know if he was eight then I would maybe interested but in anything below that no so in redraft hands off in best ball go ahead in dynasty hands off sorry Robbie sorry Robbie what could have been I, I mm. kind of became a truther to be honest with you for like a, a Robbie year Anderson like, truther yeah like Did I you was reading really his tweets oh gosh don't bring that up <laughs> I remember actually talking with you, uh, Kent, and Matt Harmon in our first season of the podcast about sleepers, and I was talking about Robbie Anderson because of his touchdown upside, which we had the year before, 
And unfortunately, in fantasy, sometimes we're wrong. And that's time I was very wrong. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so was that the, Darnold, the year they drafted Darnold? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, that, I, that's this, their fault. Yeah, at this point, uh, definitely out on Robbie. Speaking of the Jets, however, we have to talk about Prashad Perryman. Oh my gosh, the transitions on this podcast are blowing my it's mind. Brilliant. Uh, he also, like Devontae Parker, has the classic, what, fifth or sixth year breakout <laughs> last year at the end of the season with the Bucks. Yeah, the, which, the like fifth or sixth half of the fifth or sixth year. Yeah, <laughs> which honestly only happened because Chris Godwin and Mike Evans both went down with hamstring injuries in like week 14 and 15. Uh, nevertheless, he signs in New York. He is a Jets I don't know, man. This is worse than Robbie Anderson. I'm not a Brashad Ooh. Perryman believer, even though he was a former first-round pick. I'm just the type of player that, you know, put up or shut up. Like, I've seen it one too many times with this guy that we get excited, like he's got opportunity, and now he lands in New York with an Adam Gase offense with a line that can't protect Darnold enough to give him time to run effective routes. I'm just out on the Jets, man. Unless it's Jamison Crowder. I'm out on the Jets, and that includes Rashad Perryman. Yeah, I mean, listen, he had a great end of the year, okay? It was like 90 yards a game and I think five touchdowns over the last five weeks. But first of all, that was in Tampa Bay. You take a receiver out of the Tampa Bay offense, especially one who's playing as the one or two because other guys are hurt, and he's going to go down in production no matter where he goes because Tampa Bay was out of control with their receiver production. So he got to fill in the, the role of the Godwin or the Evans that we got to see be so good all year, and he did well with it. It was impressive. Listen, he, like you said, he's a former first-round talent. He's a 6'2", 215 receiver. We saw him make great catches in the end zone. He scored three touchdowns in a single game. I think he has some ability. However, I do, am not interested in his type of ability, ability in an Adam Gase offense run by Sam Darnold, to your point. I'm interested in a Jamison Crowder type ability who can fill the Jarvis Landry role that that Gase loved in Miami. And what did he do for all those years in Miami? He destroyed Devontae Parker. A yes, he big, talented, high draft capital receiver who we saw break out once Adam Gase got out of the darn picture. So now we're looking at Brashad Perryman going in and being the Devontae Parker in the offense, and that is not a thing that you want to do. So it might be similar to Robbie Anderson. He might have a few games where he, you know, looks really good and scores two touchdowns. But over the course of the season, I'm not going to expect any kind of reliable production. I don't draft him. And you know what? I don't think most leagues will draft him. And if he's sitting on your waiver wire and he starts with a great week, maybe you pick him up and you stash him on the, on the end of a big bench. And then if he has another great week, you're like, okay, Okay, Brashad, maybe you actually did break out at the end of last year. And then you could start starting him. But I'm not drafting him. Let him hit waivers and then see what happens. Yeah, he's off my draft board. Um, absolutely. And to your point, you know, just with the Adam Gase effect, like the slot receiver just gets peppered with targets. Like last year, there was rumors in training camp with Jameson Crowder and Darnold giving this great connection. And I was like, why? Like, I, I don't believe that. And then all of a sudden, we're seeing like, 9, 11, 12, 8, 7, 10, like all these targets game by game to Jameson Crowder. And then I was like, oh, yeah, obviously, like think about what Jarvis Landry did in Miami with Adam Gase. Yeah, man, I don't know. It just doesn't set up well for Bashad Perryman. 
even if you have him on your bench, I don't know that I'm going to have the confidence to actually click the start button. Uh, I might throw up on my phone if that happens <laughs> or my keyboard. So I, I, even if he, he blows up for a game, it's just hard to buy into it. Um, we'll see. It's tough. He'll have every opportunity. I will say that from a target share perspective. He will have opportunity, but I'm not in it this year. As a quick question, Mark, while we're here and considering the move at, in his weapons, where are you on Darnold right now? Like, do you think he's a quarterback that's going to take another Oof. step forward? Do you have the hope in him that we kind of have in Baker Mayfield of getting a little better? Or are we hitting a point where it's like, if we don't see him perform really well at the beginning of this year, it's bus talks are in full swing? Or have we already hit bus talks in full swing state? I don't even know. So the thing is, if we're talking dynasty, I am still intrigued by Sam Darnold. He is okay. only going to be 23 in June. Yes, so young. young. Yep. So young. Um, and for a lot of people, he was their top ranked uh, quarterback in the class. Um, not necessarily talking about like from fantasy perspective, but real life NFL talent evaluators. I saw him in person at the Rose Bowl, light up my Nittany Lions against Penn State a few years ago. Um, and so I saw it in person. Like I think he's a good quarterback, but as long as Adam Gase is the coach, I don't know how much growth he can have in his game and take that step to the next level. But on the same line of thinking, if the Jets keep losing games, Adam Gase won't be there very long. So mm. it would I'm not interested. surprise me if he's gone at, at, before the end of this season. I was going to say end of this year, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, I would not be would shocked at all. Very within the realm of possibilities. So. If we're kind of thinking along the lines of that potentially happening, then I think Sam Darnold is a very sneaky buy in Dynasty Leagues because, again, no one wants him. It's a Jets quarterback. You know, it just has this gross stigma, which I kind of agree with. <laughs> but that's assuming <laughs> the, the coaching staff is the way it is right now. So, yes, I like Darnold. I think there's room to grow. I'm not giving up just yet. The guy is just too young to give up uh, at this point. Cool. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's pretty much where I am. Um Last year, I actually bought him in a couple of places early on in the year, and I think it might have been before he got hurt, and then he got hurt, and of course, that derailed a lot of stuff, but I, I still... heard you mean mono? <laughs> yes, thank you, mono. Hurt Which is not a matter. Hurt just... in the heart. Yes, hurt... <laughs> hurt in the heart, hurt in the lips. <laughs> yep. Uh... <laughs> Kissing. <laughs> yes. Uh, but... I still, I still do believe that he can develop into a very, very good, actually. Maybe not elite, but very good NFL and fantasy quarterback. And I think that the call of Adam Gase being gone soon and potentially opening the door for him is actually a very interesting and, and sneakily intuitive one. So I like the call to go buy him as well. All right. Like it. All right, man. I'm going to take a quick break here. Let's let our listeners know about the sponsor of tonight's show, that is the Fantasy Footballer's Ultimate Draft Kit. Ooh. Guys, we talked about it on the last show, and I just I didn't want to like be this like salesman-y person. Like, let's be honest. If you found our work, you probably found it through the fantasy footballers. Okada used to write for them. I still write for them. I write up the injury report in the ultimate draft kit. Uh, we support these guys. They're awesome, and obviously you do too. And let's be honest, you're gonna buy the ultimate draft kit. So use our link, help out the podcast. It is Red Shirts UDK. Dot com. They have their player profiles. They have uh, write-ups on all these guys, consistency charts, breakouts, busts, sleepers, my injury section, Matt Harmon's reception perception. I mean, the value is insane. Uh, so check that out, guys. RedshirtsUDK.com. Go win your draft. Go win your league uh, with our help and with their help. The perfect combination of fantasy football 
knowledge. All right, Okada, let's kick it over to the tight end position. Reminder, listeners, again, we talked about Rob Gronkowski on the last show. Okada is raising his hand. What is up, Okada? Did we not want to talk about Emmanuel Sanders? Oh, I skipped right over him. (laughs) Yes, you did. (laughs) Let's talk about Emmanuel Sanders, the new tight end of, (laughs) of of the Saints. Not really. Yes, let's talk about Emmanuel Sanders. I'm sorry. Uh, with Emmanuel Sanders, man, you know, it just... How many teams has this dude played for? Like, in the a last, lot. like, three years. Like, I just feel like he is on a new team every year. He goes from Denver last year to the Niners. Obviously, he makes a run at the Super Bowl. Now he's in New Orleans for one last crack, probably at a Super Bowl. What are your thoughts on the fit? I, I'm, I, I feel like I'm equal parts intrigued and equal parts, like, I don't see how it's going to work kind of thing. What are your thoughts with Amino Sanders? So I, I can definitely see the thoughts behind that because you're now behind Michael Thomas. And yeah. you don't want to be the guy behind Michael Thomas from a fantasy perspective because he's going to command a vast target share. Having said oh, yes. that, there has not been a good receiver behind Michael Thomas Certainly, I don't think anyone as good as Emmanuel Sanders. We talked about this on a previous pod. I think Emmanuel Sanders might be the best wide receiver, too, the Saints have had in many years. And so, oh, yeah. listen, is is Emmanuel Sanders good enough to take half of Michael Thomas's target share? No. But is he good enough to take a bit off of Michael Thomas's target share and get a respectable target share himself? I think so. I think he looked good last year. Um, with the 49ers, it was a good, very good system for him. So we'll see if this system is as good. But I think there's a pretty good chance it is. You got Drew Brees throwing the ball. You can't ask for a better quarterback throwing you the ball, especially even for uh, Emmanuel Sanders' talent uh, and skill set. I think it meshes very well with Drew Brees. So I think he fits the offense well, and I think he fits the quarterback well. It's just the slight disappointment of now you're sitting behind a guy who's going to get 170 targets and catch... 160 of them because he's got a disgusting catch rate in Michael Thomas. But I think he's still going to be good. I actually kind of think I like this from a fantasy perspective a little bit better than the 49ers and maybe even the Broncos just because it's uh, the 49ers was a spread it all around kind of thing. And so here I'm hoping that Michael Thomas gets the vast chunk. Yes. But then Sanders get a it gets a strong enough wide receiver two role that he sees a hundred plus targets and we get to see a pretty good fantasy season from him. For me, what this comes down to is is how do I see the target share just like distribution between Jared Cook at the tight end and Emmanuel Sanders? Mm. I don't think there's enough to go around for both of them to be fantasy relevant on a consistent basis. I think it's Michael Thomas, obviously, who by the way. 34% target share last year. Are you kidding me? That is ridiculous. Now you have Alvin Kamara, who was injured last year. I feel very confident in his injury recovery this year. Catching footballs out of the backfield was on pace for over 90 receptions last year before the injury. And, you know, with, with Jared Cook, he had some up and down weeks, but he was definitely reliable as far as a startable tight end on a given week. The wide receiver, too, has never been, you know, in the recent two or three years because it's been Ted Ginn and Traquan Smith. So obviously Sanders is an upgrade, but is the target share going to be there? I have concerns about that. If you had to predict Okada, and I don't know if you've done any of your projections yet, I haven't projected the Saints. Would you think Jared Cook or Emmanuel Sanders will have more fantasy points 
in 2020? That's tough. Uh, I thought you were going to ask more targets, and I was going to say Emmanuel Sanders and feel okay about it. But I would probably end up project projecting Jerry Cook for a couple more touchdowns. So that might cancel that out. Overall fantasy points, I think I'm still going to go with Sanders. Uh, that doesn't mean I necessarily draft him first because Cook is a tight end. I might actually draft Cook first. But pure fantasy points, I think Sanders probably edges him out. And something to keep in mind, and granted, a big grain of salt, we're, we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up arguably the best offense and best stretch of offenses in NFL history with a quarterback playing at the height of quarterback play to have ever been seen. But the Broncos of the 13 through 15 era was Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas and also Julius Thomas, who is a great tight end, all playing yeah. obviously under Peyton Manning. But Emmanuel Sanders with a, a, I mean, we're talking Demarius Thomas was one of the most dominant receivers in the league at that time. Sanders was still getting 140 targets a year, putting up 1,000 to 1,100 yards a year and scoring touchdowns. Now, this is Drew Brees at an older age than Peyton was. This is, uh, I, yeah, although Peyton was bit, getting up yeah. there. Yeah, a little bit. This is Sanders at a much older age, obviously, and I think Michael Thomas is even more dominant than Demarius Thomas was. Good gracious, there are a lot of Thomases in this comparison. <laughs> but all that is to say, Emmanuel Sanders has shown the talent and the ability to be a very productive wide receiver, too, in a good system with a great receiver in front of him before. I think he can produce for you in fantasy this year. All right, man. We'll see. I think he's going to have enough separation. And if the chemistry is there with Drew Brees, I think it's going to work. So I'm probably going to see what happens in the first week or two and then kind of base my decision if I'm going to go after him in trade or pick him up off waivers or what have you uh, at that point. Briefly for the listeners, he is going in the 106 range which, depending on how many teams are in your league, that's somewhere between the 8th and 10th round, around guys like Sterling Shepard, Alshon Jeffrey, and Robbie Anderson speak of the devil. I'm, right. I'd rather have Emmanuel Sanders. I sure. didn't realize he was going at that point. I thought it was going to be actually later, um, which Ooh. is intriguing. But at those names, I, I we talked about Robbie. Obviously, we said we're both out. Yep. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, I'll just warn the listeners right now, in the Ultimate Draft Kit, which I wrote up for the Fantasy Footballers, uh, not good. Not good for Alshon this year, coming off that Liz Frank surgery at the age of 30. Performance drops by 21% in the first year back on the field. And those players are more likely to miss time. So, yeah, I'm out on Alshon. He's off my draft board from an injury perspective. And considering those two names that are going in the same spot, like Sterling Shepard just is okay. And, and I don't even know that he's the one on the team or the two uh, with Golden Tate and Darius Slayton at the Watch. mentioned Evan Ingram. Right. And Saquon, and Saquon Barkley. Barkley. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a hot mess. All right. If he's going there around those names, I would definitely take him over those guys. All right. All righty, man. Let's wrap it up there. Now we can move on to the tight ends. Okay. Uh, the first one we will talk about is Austin Hooper. And Ooh. I put out um, a tweet the other day. We, we put out a poll from the show account looking at some names. I, I asked the question, who are you guys, the listeners, the followers, who are you more worried about or most worried about? I put... Um, DeAndre Hopkins on the list. I put Austin Hooper on the list. I put uh, Rob Gronkowski on the list. And I think I also put one more wide receiver. I can't remember off the top of my head. But regardless, the over... Oh, Stephon Diggs. The overwhelming majority of people voted for Austin Hooper. They are nervous about Austin Hooper. Okada, can you calm down the people or are you also very nervous about Hooper in Cleveland? 
Can I calm down the people? Yes, I think that I can. Do I want to? I'm not convinced myself yet. <laughs> so let, let me talk through the can and then we'll see where we end up. Here's the thing. Austin Hooper was incredible at the start of last season. In fact, the first half of last season. And then he got hurt uh, week 10, I believe. Um, and then when he came back week 14 and on, it was not great. But here's what he did over the first 10 weeks, nine games. 608 yards, six touchdowns. Project that out to a season. That's, by the way, 56 catches. Project that out to a season. It's 100 catches, 1,081 yards, and 11 touchdowns. We're talking tight end, the tight end one potential based off the talent we saw from him last year. Now, he's going from a... Falcons offense that we've seen be extremely productive. Matt Ryan is extremely reliable quarterback that I know is going to put up yards and throw touchdowns. And he's going instead to a Cleveland offense that we're not sure what to think about yet because we we put a lot of faith in them last year and they let us down. Big Classic. time. Freaking Classic. Freddy, man. <laughs> he's Freddy, us why pretty you bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why he did it, but he lost his job as a result. Now, the good news in that sense is that instead we get Kevin Stefanski. So instead of looking at what the Browns did last year, I want to do I want to look at when I'm projecting this offense at what the Vikings have done of an under Kevin Stefanski as the OC. And what they've done is be a run first team with a very good running back in Dalvin Cook and yet still support Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, and Kyle Rudolph as good fantasy options. They have been an efficient offense with a decent quarterback, and they've put up good fantasy numbers with those kinds of players in their system. Now we're looking at Odell, Jarvis Landry, and Austin Hooper in potentially similar roles. I think Austin Hooper is a better talent than Kyle Rudolph right now, and we've seen Kyle Rudolph be good even over the past couple years as he's gotten older. Uh, Jarvis Landry and Stephon Diggs, we've had this conversation, I think, are pretty similar. I'm okay calling that basically a wash. Odell and Thielen, if Odell plays up to even, you know, three quarters of what he can be, he will be a similar player to what Thielen has been. So if you put all those pieces together, all this to say, I feel okay about Austin Hooper being a top eight, maybe top six tight end, back end of that tier that comes after the elites, where you feel like, Okay, these are the guys that can be elite. You've got the elite tier, you've got the guys who can be elite, and you've got every other tight end in football. And I think Austin Hooper is still in that tier of can be elites. I feel good about him. I am willing to draft him, and I think he can produce in this offense if it lives up to the Stefanski, I don't, I don't want to say hype, but even just bar. How do you feel? Or or the trend, maybe, just the Stefanski trends, yeah. which we've seen. And it wasn't that long ago. It was 2016 Kyle Rudolph was the tight end three in football. And That's right. He was nasty he, he, that year. He followed it up. He came back with a, what is this? One, two, three, four, five, six, tight end seven finish in 2017. Uh, did it again in 2018. So we have enough history there that the tight end produces in this offense. I will say Austin Hooper is an extreme value at this point. No one likes him on the Browns. And probably it's because the Browns, again, have this gross taste in your mouth kind of thing where, like, everyone was in last year. Now they're out. Mm. But I'm still a Baker supporter. We've talked about it a lot. I, I'm sorry for always using this stat, but 
per PFF, Baker Mayfield benefited the most in the entire NFL at the quarterback position when passing out of play action. Kevin Stefanski loves play action. I'm in on the bounce back for the Browns, and that means I'm in on Austin Hooper. Okada, FFPC best ball ADP. People are paying money to play in these leagues, Mm -hmm, and he mm -hmm. is going as the tight end 13. No! Are you kidding me? That is poppycock. What do you mean? I swear that is the truth. Here's who here's who's going behind, okay? Yes, we please have tell me. Yes, okay. So uh Evan Ingram is tight end six. I'm just scrolling down the list here. Tyler Higby is tight end seven. Uh-huh. Uh we have Jared Cook right behind him at tight end fourteen. Okay, Hayden Hurst but, at tight as end a note, eleven. As a note, before you continue, this is where I would have Austin Hooper, right in the mix of the names you just said. So now keep going okay. and see all the stupid names that should not be ahead of him. Mike Kosicki is tight end ten. No. And I like Rob Gronkowski, tight end no. nine. Oh, uh, Noah Fant, tight end twelve. Uh, no, thank you. And also, a quick uh, note: near, uh, near, pass. <laughs> quick note on Gronk. That's exactly what we've been talking about. We talked about it last show because we skipped ahead to talk about Gronk. He's gonna go at name value, and you are not gonna get dr- value in your drafts. Do not draft Gronk. Yes. Yeah, man. Austin Hooper, as of now, is an extreme value. You talked about it, man. The past couple of seasons, we have seen an extreme ceiling with Austin Hooper as being the most productive tight end in fantasy if he's on the field, if he's not there with injury. So, yeah, man, I'm in. Uh, I think the value is perfect. I think if you're, you're going to pass on a Kittle, on a Kelsey, maybe Ertz, like you're going to you're going to target Austin Hooper in what? Eighth, ninth round, something like that. Yes, I would love that value. So, Easy. yeah, I like that a lot. Um, right. By the way, Go ahead. Uh, quickly on the Browns, because I feel like our listeners need the the background on, on this situation. They, first of all, they are the ultimate post-hype sleeper team. The entire team is a post-hype sleeper, except oh, yes. for maybe Nick Chubb, because I think Kareem Hunt's going to do more to Nick Chubb now that he's fully back in a full season than people think. So he's the only guy I'm not as high on as consensus. But everybody else is a post-hype sleeper right now. And this is, the, this is the explanation that I feel needs to be given. Because last year, everybody was excited about the Browns. We got excited a little bit, too. Kent tried to shame us, I remember. But we got <laughs> excited. This was our this was our, our downfall, Bets, is we believed in an offensive mind who had been a running backs coach and then an OC for half a year when his head coach got fired. And this is Freddie Kitchens I'm talking about. And we believed that he could step up to a head coach role and be the guy and turn this team into a juggernaut. And that did not happen. Kevin Stefanski is not that. He is not a running backs coach for his whole career and just played half a season or coached half a season as an OC. This is a guy who's been entrenched as an OC of a very good offense on a productive and winning team for a while now. I think that he has a much better chance to take this team to the next level like we hoped they would last year. And so I'm willing to, you know, fool me once, shame on whoever, fool me twice, shame on me. I'm willing to try to be fooled twice here because I believe it's a new situation. Yeah, I agree 100% with that. And just speak to that, you know, part of part of this, part of what we're doing is trying to get better every year to give you guys the best advice analysis we can. And it was probably short-sighted of us last year. Now that you're mentioning that, now that we're talking about it, I want to be better for our listeners this season. And I think this is a way that we can be because... A lot of people are saying, man, stay away from the Browns. I'm nervous. Look at what they've done in the last two, three, four, five, ten years. How can you trust the Browns? 
I'm confident in Odell Beckham Jr.'s hip and uh, core surgery. I'm confident in Jarvis's recovery. I'm confident in Baker. So, yes, uh, we as a show, I think, are in on the Browns yet again here in 2020. But if it happens this year, man, I'm out. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right, man. Next tight end to talk about Hayden Hurst. Really interesting, man. Goes Mm. from Baltimore where he was um, kind of just one of the tight ends there. They always have four or five or six. Uh, And now lands in Atlanta to replace Austin Hooper. The depth chart as far as the pass catchers is pretty solidified at the top. It's obviously Julio Jones. It's obviously Calvin Ridley. But the wide receiver three is Russell Gage. And then it's it's, um, Hayden Hurst. I almost said Austin Hooper again. Then it's Hayden Hurst. There's opportunity here for him to produce. What are your thoughts on the player? Because I feel like this year is really the only time we're going to see him thus far have the true opportunity to be the guy, be the starting tight end. So, okay, here's what I'll say to that. And I feel like this is a little bit of a trap. So I I think I might have to pour some water. Then maybe you you can try to burn that water away with your fire. We'll we'll find out. (laughs) Is that how it works? I'm pretty sure water wins. No, 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 no. This is science, (laughs) Betts. Okay. Uh, There's this concept that Hayden Hurst is, you know, getting freed from a place that didn't give him a chance and they, you know, you know, shoved him down the depth chart to play behind Mark Andrews. And so he didn't get to break out and be the first round tight end we thought he would be. And so now he gets to go and fill in Austin Hooper's shoes and be great. Here's the thing. The Ravens drafted Hayden Hurst ahead of Mark Andrews. Okay. In the first round. Now, they didn't necessarily expect him to be the pass catcher that they expected Mark Andrews to be. They might have drafted him in the first round instead because he's a more well, well-rounded player. And also, he was quite old, which hopefully, I think the idea was he might be quicker to be developed. I don't know if that's really true. Uh, <laughs> he was like 24 when he came in. I think he played a bunch of baseball. And yep. it was it was not a good sign for Dynasty. And I still don't think it's a good sign. I don't like all of those things. Then he came in with Mark Andrews, and they both had a chance to win the job together, and Mark Andrews won it. So I feel like Hayden Hurst has gotten every opportunity. He got the draft capital, and he's not done diddly squat. I think he's going to be a serviceable tight end who is good for his team. I think he's a well-rounded player overall. But I'm not drafting him anywhere near tight end one range for me. I think he's going to be outside my top 15 when all things shake out. We will see. He might be around that range. But as we've said, if you're outside the top eight, everything else beyond that is basically the same thing. It's just a cluster shoot. And Hayden Hurst is in that that mess. Um, there, There is a chance that he breaks out, I suppose. And maybe you'll try to sell me on it here. But I don't think I, I put it at a very low chance and I'm not buying in on it at all. I mean, I wish for the podcast sake, like and the entertainment value that I could argue with you, but I, I really can't. Like, Ugh. I was never a Hayden Hurst guy. And Ooh. even in the year where they drafted him first round and they took Mark Andrews, Mark Andrews became a screaming value in Dynasty rookie drafts. I think you and I talked about it that year. Uh, yeah, man, late to Claire coming out of college, didn't have a lot of production the first couple of years. I don't know, man. It just feels like a trap, like you said. It feels like people are going to see the name. They're going to see the you know the t- tight end one on the depth chart. They're going to see what Austin Hooper did and assume it just translates over. I don't think it's going to be that. Now, will he have weeks where we're excited about him and he probably has some starting weeks? Yes, I think he's a streaming 
type of tight end, but he's not being drafted that way. And so for that reason, I won't own him anywhere unless I happen to pick him up off waivers or something like that if someone drops him. But at his current draft price, I think I'm with you, man. I think I'm out on Hayden Hurst. All righty. Sad. Sad sad news for Hayden Hurst. Yes. (laughs) All right, man. We are going to kick it over now to a tight end landing in Pittsburgh. I'm talking about Eric Ebron. Now, say what you want about Eric Ebron. He is like the most up and down roller coaster player that I can remember in fantasy for a long time. Came out. Everyone wanted this guy. Top 10 pick in the NFL draft. He's going to be great in Detroit. Then no one wanted him. And then all of a sudden... Andrew Luck started throwing him touchdown passes that everyone wanted him. And and here we are. I mean, I don't know what to do with Eric Ebron in, in Pittsburgh. I have concerns about the way they use the tight end. We haven't seen anyone produce tight end value since, um, I'm blanking on his name, three years ago, four years ago. Uh, Heath, Heath Miller? Yes, Heath Miller. Thank you. Yep. We haven't seen anything from the tight end position in a while. I've just seen too much from Eric Ebron where it's up and down that I don't want to trust him. If I'm taking a tight end in my fantasy draft, and I believe you're the same way, I want stability. I want to know that the tight end I'm taking, I can plug and play for four or five weeks and figure it out from there if I have to. And with Eric Ebron, it is the complete opposite of that. So I think Eric Ebron's a guy I'm probably going to be out on unless things change on the depth chart there in Pittsburgh. Yeah, Eric Ebron's a bit of a tough one for me also because I think he is talented. You don't, you know, score 13 touchdowns if you're not talented no matter how good your quarterback is. So, which he did, by the way, two years ago, in case that wasn't obvious. Um, and listen, Ben Roethlisberger is a good, still a good quarterback, so he's still got a good quarterback. That offense projects to be good if Big Ben is in charge of it again. Uh, they're going to be in the red zone. They're going to have opportunities to score touchdowns. They don't necessarily have a uh tried and true touchdown machine there you know Antonio Brown's not there anymore they don't have necessarily a big bodied one Juju is not necessarily that guy um so I think there's a decent chance that he comes in and scores six seven eight touchdowns somewhere in that range this year and if he does that he's going to be an ownable tight end he's going to be he's probably going to finish as a tight end one in fact if he if he scores that many touchdowns but are you going to want to start him no and that's the problem. I don't want any of those t- those tight ends that are outside the top six that technically end as tight end ones, but you never knew when to start them, and they you know ha- they scored half their tight end one points on waivers, let alone on your team. Certainly not in your roster. But that I mean this, that's just the way that I like to construct rosters is I try to get a guy early or get a multitude of guys late where I feel like one of them is going to break out. Like last year, when you, whoever got Mark Andrews where they got him, which I believe we did a good amount of, loved it. And someone's going to do that this year. Is it Mike Kosicki? Maybe. Is it Eric Ebron? Probably not. I don't think he's going to be the guy who breaks out to into top six potential. I think he is the guy who finishes somewhere in the tight end one range. If you really want to wait on tight end, if you're that kind of player, or if the draft just falls to you that way, I, I don't hate getting Eric Ebron late and, you know, you put him in your lineup and every once in a while he scores a touchdown and it feels all right. So th- that's what Eric Ebron is for me. Yeah, that's not the life I want to live uh, in 2020. <laughs> not so, too exciting. We'll see. Uh, trivia question, Okada. Who is yes. older, Hayden Hurst or Eric Ebron? Eric Ebron, I recall coming in young. He's been in like six seasons now, though, so he's he came in got to be young. older. 
I'm still going to go with Ebron, but it will be hysterical if he wasn't. He just turned 27 in April. Hayden Hurst turns 27 in August. Oh, Barely man. older. That's Hayden insane. Hayden Hurst has been in the, the league for two years so far. Yeah, that's how late he came in. So Four months age difference and like four seasons? Five seasons age, or five seasons difference, I think. That's insane. Yep. Goodness. Wild, man. All right, we are running a little bit late on time, Okada. We got three tight ends to talk about, and and we can just kind of lump these guys together because they're aging veterans that are in kind of weird situations that I don't know what to do with, and I don't want on my fantasy roster. So I'm going to put that out there for all three of these guys. We're talking about Jimmy Graham in Chicago. We're talking Greg Olson in Seattle. We're talking about Tyler Eifert in Jacksonville. Any of those guys pique your interest? Um, and if so, who is it and why? I will put Greg Olson in a similar category to uh, Eric Ebron in that he is going to be a guy who's very possibly going to finish as a tight end one or in the tier of tight end ones. Last year, he played 14 games after coming back from two years of just destructive, horrible injury issues, mostly in the foot, if I recall, bets. Uh, yep. Bad foot stuff. Um, and he had 600 yards on 52 catches in Carolina, which is not bad. It's not what he used to be, but it's not bad. And the issue was he only scored two touchdowns, which was weird. Because from 2008 to 2015, that's eight seasons in a row, he had five-plus touchdowns every one of those years. Russell Wilson is going to throw touchdowns. And outside of DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, no one in Seattle is going to catch them. So I think we see Greg Olson bounce back to a 600-yard, six-touchdown range. And that's the tight end one range again, the back end of the tight end one range. So again, same thing I said about Ebron. If you want to draft someone late uh, and have a guy who's going to get you points now and again, I think Greg Olson can be that guy. The other two guys can get out of my face. I have zero interest (laughs) in drafting Jimmy Graham or Tyler Eifert. I will draft uh, Cole Komet rookie tight end who got drafted by the Bears before drafting either of those guys. And drafting a rookie tight end is stupid. So, no thank you. Get them both out of my face. If Tyler Eifert decides he can actually play football for a full season again, I will find him on waivers halfway through the year. Other than that, no. Yep. I don't have anything else to add. I'm with you 100% on those two. For Greg Olson, I don't know, man. It just seems like there's been talks about you know, what's next for him in the booth and mm. retirement and 35 years I old. Just, yeah. I just wonder if this year is like his swan song and like maybe if they make a run at the playoffs, like he can go for another Super Bowl. I don't know. I, I'm not targeting him in drafts. I'm certainly passing on him. If someone else wants him ahead of where ADP is like, no, thank you. I, I don't know. I'm not drafting him. Like you said, I, I just prefer to target tight ends that I know are stable in my lineup. And these three names are the furthest from that. So I'm out on all three of these guys. But I will say, I like Greg Olson as a player. I'm hoping he has a bounce back here. Now, to help ourselves with our bias of getting a tight end that's not this type, suppose that you were given a rule that you couldn't draft a tight end in the first 12 rounds. I'm out of that league. Yeah, true. (laughs) But of these guys we've talked about, Ebron, Graham, Olson, Eifert, Hurst, I guess, are you taking one of those guys? I mean, if if I have to, if I absolutely have to, if I have no other yep. choice, if this Not allowed is, if the world is ending tomorrow, <laughs> you are banned. I guess I would target Hayden Hurst just because of the target share opportunity that's there with Hooper leaving and the good offense. We've talked about it a lot 
with I'm gonna be I'm gonna be so in. I'm gonna be very bullish on this Falcons passing attack this season, and he's a piece of that. So if I have to, he's my pick. Okay. You can't ask the question and not answer. Uh. uh Tyler Eifert. <laughs> no, give me give me Ebron. I guess. But yeah. I'm probably dropping him after week two. The point of this yep. exercise, <laughs> listeners, is don't wait until after the 12th round to draft your tight end. Because it sucks. <laughs> it's the worst, man. Or, I tried it a couple oh, years. Take your second thinking tight end like there. It would happen. Yes. Like thinking like, this is going to be fine. Like I'm loaded at running back and wide receiver. I'll just figure it out along the way. Mm-mm. It was miserable. I remember Mm-mm. playing like Charles Clay a couple years. And like, I don't even know, man. It's, it's so bad. So Well, the... Those- there was a whole tight end streaming movement a few years ago. There was. I, I was feel like that, that is dead. That is the so deadest dead. movement. Like, <laughs> there's you can't do it. Nope. Nope. Doesn't exist. Don't do it, listeners. Do not put yourself through that misery for the season. Listen, football's fun. We like fantasy football. You want to enjoy yourself. True. Draft the tight end early. Yes. <laughs> or get Mike Kosicki. Yes. He's my favorite late round pick. Agreed. I'll be honest. All right, man. That wraps it up for all the the old faces in new places uh, podcast for this week. Like I said, if you missed the quarterbacks and running back show, go back one episode, check it out. This is wide receivers and tight ends. Uh, fellas and listeners, Okada, man, we are excited. We're moving forward in June. We're going to three shows per week. So if you're not already subscribed in your podcast app and on YouTube, you're doing it wrong you got to hit the subscribe button so you know when we put out a new show. You don't want to miss it because you don't have as much time to listen to the podcast in between. So check it out. Get all up in there. Get on the website, RetroitsFantasyFootball.com. Look for the articles up there on every single day. We have Dynasty Rankings, Rookie Rankings if you haven't had your, your, your rookie draft yet. All sorts of good stuff there. Okada, anything else for the people before we get out of here? I mean, here's the thing, Bets. Let's just put some mathematics into perspective, all right? Science. Going from two shows to three shows is a 50% increase. That's how math works. That is like Science. Patrick Mahomes throwing 50 touchdowns, and the next season he throws 75 touchdowns. Do you want Ooh. 75 touchdowns in your podcast app? Yes! <laughs> so subscribe! Uh, this episode of the Red Shirts <laughs> Fantasy Football Perfect podcast. analogy there. Hit us up on Twitter um, at Red Shirts man, I wish FF John was here to make fun of us. Unfortunately, he's not. He'll be back next week. We'll be back next week as well. Follow me at the Fantasy PT. Follow Okada at Matt Okada. Follow John at Dynasty Beard. And the show is at Red Shirts FF Pod. Until next time, we are the Red Shirts. <laughs>